0: Welcome to Monsters and Mixers, the spine-chilling podcast guaranteed to quench your thirst for all things spooky and one thing drinky. Can't get enough of paranormal or true crime stories? Then this is the place for you. We are your hosts, Amy and Emma, and each episode will feature a new story and a new cocktail recipe to help calm your nerves while you listen. So grab your ingredients, pull the covers up tight, and prepare to be terrified by tales of the darkness among us. you for joining us for the first episode of the Monsters and Mixers podcast. I'm Amy and I'm Emma and we are going to be talking about one
1: of our favorite city's most notorious buildings. Uh, that building would be the Lollerie Mansion. It exists in the French Quarter of New Orleans and it is apparently super haunted.
0: Emma has to insert the word apparently <laughs> because she doesn't believe in ghosts anymore, despite being raised by me, her mom, who is a complete and total believer of ghosts, spirits, anything paranormal. I'm not quite sure where the disconnect came from because I thought I was raising her right,
1: but all of a sudden she doesn't believe in any of that anymore. It's not that I don't believe. I would love to get some real raw proof that makes it so I have to believe, but until I get to that point, I will just be a little skeptical. I'm okay with a little skeptical
0: full-on cynicism i have to draw the line at (laughs) to help us get in the mood and feel a little more connected to the cities we talk about we're going to be introducing you guys to a drink from from the towns from the cities of the stories that we talk about and today we are having a drink that is a new orleans original it's called a brandy milk punch if you haven't done so yet you can head over to our facebook page Monsters and Mixers podcast for the recipe. We're going to try and put the recipes on a day or two before the episodes are released so that if you want to get into the mood with us and have a full immersive experience, you can make the drink and drink it with us. Plus we are kind of hoping that if you're a little nervous, the alcohol might help calm your nerves. So full disclaimer, this is going to be an adult podcast. We're gonna talk about some adult things, some really sensitive subjects, and we're gonna talk about alcohol. So if you have small children, you might not want them to be listening with you. Just use your discretion, make sure that you are making the right choices for you. If you're easily scared, I mean,
1: maybe not the Sorry. best choice for you. <laughs> yeah. um, so the Brandy Milk Punch, it's like two parts, half and half, two parts brandy. And then you use some simple syrup and some nutmeg, and we threw some cinnamon in there because we've tried it before, and it was a little hard to get down. We're not brandy fans, much more a fan of whiskey, but it is very milky, and I think we got the ratios right this time because it tastes a lot better than we originally had it.
0: Yeah, last time it was kind of like doing shots of brandy and washing it down with milk, which um,
1: sounds a bit... Is about as appealing as it sounds. It was like washing it down with eggnog because milk is at least creamy and half and half is very thick. So it was like drinking syrup. Definitely. Definitely very syrupy. Um,
0: So when most people think about New Orleans, the drink that they would probably most likely associate with it would be the Hurricane. And we were going to use the Hurricane for a drink, but I kind of wanted to expand out a little bit. And let's be honest New Orleans has a million haunted stories so we're probably gonna circle back to it at some point and we'll introduce you to our hurricane at that time but I didn't want it to start off as a really cliche hey we're talking about New Orleans let's go to Pat O'Brien's kind of thing Um, I felt like this was a lot more of a original drink than the boozy hurricane, everybody get wasted kind of thing.
1: And we have both had our fair share of hurricanes, so we needed a break. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. All right, let's get into it. All right, so our story today is
0: about the LaLaurie Mansion in New Orleans. The owner of the LaLaurie Mansion, her name is Delphine LaLaurie, or her name was. Many people refer to her as Madame LaLaurie. She's kind of crazy. Um, she was one of five children. Her mom and dad were Louis Bartholomew de McCarty and Marie Jean La Arable. I'm just gonna go with Arable. that. Arable. They were both prominent in the New Orleans European Creole community, and she grew up as quite the socialite. She was wealthy. She grew up in the you know circle of all the really popular, really social people in New Orleans. She got married quite a few times. Um, she, I think, might have been a serial marrier. <laughs> she, the first time she got married, it was to a man named Don Raymond Lopez e. Anguilla, and he was a high-ranking Spanish royal officer. They got married at the St. Louis Cathedral in New Orleans on June eleventh, 1800. And for those of you who have not been to New Orleans, it is probably the mecca of cathedrals in New Orleans. It's beautiful it's
1: huge it's one of the focal points of the french quarter there's it's also the mecca of weddings yeah if you're down there for long enough you will probably see at least four wedding parties take place in front of the saint louis cathedral it's it's a it's a it's a beautiful place
0: we actually have some friends who got married there um so they got married her and don raymond got married in 1800 in 1804 he was called back to spain So as they're heading back to Spain to go and live, they make a stop in Cuba, and during which time he just up and died. And she was pregnant, so she was left pregnant and alone and gave birth to her baby girl by herself. After that, she moved back to New Orleans. This kind of makes her sound like we should feel sorry for her, and if you're feeling sorry for her right now, stop, because she is truly horrible. In June of 1808 she got married again to this guy named Jean Blanc. He was a prominent banker, merchant, lawyer, and legislator. He pretty much did everything in New Orleans. He was a jack-of-all-trades. At this time she had four more children so that brings her up to five and like her first husband he also died. So she kind of went on by herself for a little while and then decided that she wasn't quite finished with the married life. So she found herself a younger man for her third marriage, and on June 25th, 1825, she married Dr. Louise, sorry, not Louise, <laughs> Louis Nichols Lollery. It was with the good doctor that Delphine, or Madame Lollery, built the infamous Lollery Mansion. And they built that in 1832. Really, they had purchased the property in 1831, and the home was being built at that time, but they put all the finishing touches on it. She also decided that she wasn't quite done having kids, and five just wasn't enough, so they had two more daughters, which
1: brings them up to seven total children. And not to shame, you can have as many kids as, you, as you'd as you like, but that seven does not sound fun. No, it sounds like It sounds, <laughs> it like, sounds a lot. like quite a lot, but she, if you noticed a pattern here, she didn't marry broke. She married doctors and merchants and bankers, so she was setting herself up for a cush life.
0: She was definitely very accustomed to the lavish life and made sure she made choices that kept her there. Um, She used her two-story at the time mansion to maintain that social status. They threw lots and lots of parties in the French Quarter and all the other socialites came to them all the time. So it's not like they were living in secret, which is kind of important as the story evolves for you to know that at any given point in time, the heinous things that she did could have been known by anyone. If they would have just maybe been paying a little more attention or the
1: story had not shaped out quite the way that it did. Um, so in 1834, which is only three years after the mansion was built, a huge fire broke out at the mansion And um, it's claimed that neighbors and people nearby, they rushed to help. They offered buckets of water and attempted to help the family evacuate. But upon entering, they noticed that she was alone. No one was in the house. Her seven kids weren't in the house. Her husband was not in the house. It was just her in the mansion. Um, Due to the time period and her social, social status within the community, locals thought it was quite odd to see a mansion of such stature that did not have slaves inside of it. And they took it upon themselves to investigate this incident in the mansion further although the facts have been blurred with the passing of time as most of the stories from the old days do like jack the ripper and things like that there are a few details that have not changed with age so the group that entered they found the slaves that were not shown that should have been amongst the house they found them in the attic they were pent up in the attic, and they had clearly been visibly tortured brutally. Um, reports from eyewitnesses claimed that there were at least seven slaves whom were beaten within an inch of their lives. Some had their eyes gouged out, their mouths filled with human waste, and were sewn shut, and their skin was flayed off. Um, if you think it can't get worse, it somehow does. Um, One report claimed that there was a woman whose bones had been broken and reset, and they said that her body now resembled that of a crab. Which, if you can imagine a human being in that state, it is absolutely atrocious. Another woman was wrapped in human intestines. There were numerous people with holes in their skulls, and apparently there there were wooden spoons near them that they would use to stir their brains. So they were lobotomizing these people, they were absolutely destroying them physically it had to be horrible i cannot imagine walking into that and seeing these people who were just almost unrecognizable as human beings um mind you they're
0: this is all going on while they're having party after party people in their house
1: constantly and no one seemed to be the wiser to all of this going on Um, at the time other rumors claimed that there were indeed dead bodies in the attic as well and that they were also mutilated beyond recognition. They said that their organs were neither intact nor inside their bodies. So she just had people, just bodies up there and she had completely disemboweled them, taken their organs out, their organs were sitting next to them. It had to be a legitimate house of horrors at that point. Uh, some say that there were only a few bodies, others claim that there were over a hundred. There were rumors that she kept her 70 year old cook chained to the stove without food or water and they were visibly starving to death. There were others that reported that her brutality extended to her daughters and that she would lash them with a whip if they tried to help the slaves in any way. There are reports, um, two reports on record as being true.
0: One being that a man was so scared of punishment that he threw himself out of a third-story window to his death. Um, The third-story window is still cemented shut to this day, and I know I said earlier that it was... A two-story building, but they added on the third story at a later date. The other report revolved around a 12-year-old girl named Leah. Uh, Leah was brushing Madame laurie's hair one day, and Leah was a slave, by the way, yeah. as well. A, a 12-year-old um, slave, and as she was brushing Madame Madame hair, she pulled a little too hard because she just actually pulled too hard. <laughs> she didn't do it on purpose. wasn't being malicious. And that caused Madame Lalaurie to become so enraged that she started to whip her, which, I guess, living in that house and seeing all the things that everybody went through all the time, it was very scary to very scary to her, and she decided that she was going to then climb onto the roof and jump to her
1: death. So the, the house was two people who are on record as fleeing from the house in a way that resulted in their death. And they probably knew that it was going to result in their death. And they didn't care because life inside of those four walls was probably so atrocious that the only way that they saw out was to die.
0: Um, Not only did the young girl end her life there, but she wasn't even given a proper burial. She was buried on the property. There are witnesses that say that Lallery buried her, um, Because people saw it and they brought it to the police's attention, they were forced to fine her $300 and make her sell nine of her slaves. So that was the punishment for her mistreatment of the young lady and the things that happened. Um, They pretty much all just looked the other way
1: and she brought all of her slaves back. So, yeah, to no surprise of anyone. And after the slaves were released from the burning building, a mob ensued, a mob of almost 4,000 townspeople who were angry. And they ransacked the mansion, they smashed the windows, they tore down the doors, and they just completely destroyed the structure. The only thing that was left was the outside walls. Um, The whereabouts of LaLaurie are still unknown to this day. It's claimed that her and her driver were missing after the incident, and they were assumed to have fled to Paris. However, there was no word of her ever actually making it there. Her daughter claimed to have received letters from her over the years, but no one has ever seen them. There's no actual documentation that those letters exist. Um, In the late 1930s, an old copper plate was found in New Orleans St. Louis Cemetery, and it bared the name of LaLaurie Madame Delphine McCarty, which is her maiden name. Um, The inscription on the plate claimed in French that she died in Paris on December 7th, 1842. However, when you go over across the pond to Paris, the records in Paris claim that she died in 1849. And despite the plaque and the records, it is widely believed that although she made it to Paris, she came back to New Orleans under a new name and continued her reign of terror. I think it's so weird that a plaque, just a copper plaque, just appeared in the middle of a cemetery with her name on it. Like, where did that come from? She was never given a burial. She never had a funeral. There was no one really left outside of her daughters to make a plate for her. That alone is strange. It would almost be as if that were some kind
0: of a supernatural occurrence.
1: Well, I also think that it being in New Orleans is like almost further proof that she probably did come back. Uh, If she were to just flee to Paris, then you'd think that her gravesite and her copper plate with her name on it would have remained in Paris, but it somehow came back to New Orleans, which makes me think that she probably did make it back there, and who knows what she did when she came back. And it could
0: also be that her family, who said they didn't know what happened to her, obviously were lying through all those years, and they brought that back and wanted to have some memory of her in the cemetery. Yeah,
1: and there was also, there's no closure either for the family... The families of like the slaves or the people that were kept in her attic because she got away with it. She fled. She went to Paris. She was never arrested. I don't even know at the time if she really would have faced many consequences considering they only fined her $300 when she was caught burying a body. Mm -hmm. So who knows what really would have happened, but it is just another layer of depravity that you can add to the story. I think outside of the mob,
0: she probably would have faced very little actual repercussions from the police because we all know that this was during a really horrible time in American history and the poor enslaved people were not thought of as people and it was more of a property mentality and she would probably have just gotten another small slap on the wrist had the mob mob knocked her limb from limb like they tried to do Richard Ramirez for sure We're going to take a little pause here, let you refill your drink if you need one, and then we're going to come back and talk to you about all of the ways that the mansion is now haunted, because there's a lot of ways that the mansion's haunted. It's actually a really cool story, so we'll be back in just a minute. to me that I may have called this haunting a cool story definitely not what I meant um I do find hauntings fascinating and I do think that the stories I've heard about the building are cool in a haunting kind of aspect but I don't want to diminish the tragedy that has occurred in this building so I want to make sure I clarified that and let you know that I'm in no way saying that I think that things that happened there are cool. Um, as a ghost geek, I definitely do get pretty excited and geeked out about haunting stories. So, just want to make sure we got that little clarification in so you guys don't think I'm a monster. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So, the original mansion did not survive being burned by the angry mom. And for at least four years... It just remained in ruins. It was rebuilt into what we know it as of today, four years later.
1: And I highly recommend, if you don't know what this building looked like, looks like, that you Google it. Because it is, it's huge, one. It's massive. It takes up, like, three blocks of a street in the French Quarter. It is huge. I actually know someone who lived across the street from it in an apartment building, um... And upon moving in, he did not know that that was the infamous Lollerie Mansion, but he quickly found out. Because people, when he would say where he lived, they'd be like, what? Why did you choose that location of all locations? But just to get some visuals, I suggest you Google it because it, it's a beautiful building. It's huge. It still has like the stoic old French creole architecture it is just it's looming it looms over the city of new orleans yeah,
0: it kind of has its own presence and heartbeat and you can feel the soul of the building if a building does have a soul when you get within just a few blocks of it for those of you who are fans of the show the tv show american horror story if you watched coven kathy bates's character was actually based off of Madame Lollary. We're not going to talk about that a whole lot because there were so many embellishments made that it really isn't fitting to a true crime aspect of the story, but that just kind of gives you a frame of reference in your head if you actually did watch the show that that's the building. And I think parts of it might have been filmed there. That It has been used in several things and actually is set to be used in an upcoming um, Conjuring movie that's being made. So. If you are into the Conjuring franchise, you'll be able to see little snippets of the building and that.
1: And if you are a fan of Ghost Adventures at all, like we are, we are Ghost Adventures diehard fans. They have investigated the inside of the mansion a few times, I think. And you get to see kind of like the internal structure because most of the time when buildings, older buildings are turned into like apartment complexes, they don't maintain that old vibe they don't they change the carpet they change the walls the old furniture is not still there but in this case the inside in my mind probably looks close to the same as it did when it was rebuilt it is still very tacky um it's old it's retro it has a lot of the same furniture that existed back in the day so if you want to see like the inside then you can watch zach bagans explore if you'd like
0: um Like Emma said, it definitely has been lots of different things, and they've tried to maintain as much of the originality of the building as possible, considering it was burned. It is sometimes referred to as just, quote, the haunted house by many people in New Orleans because it is such a hugely known and well-recognized haunted building in New Orleans. It has been used over the years as a high school, a music conservatory, an apartment building, and that's a no for me. Even being a fan of the paranormal, I could not live in a place this paranormal. I would not be able to do it. It's been a bar, a furniture store, and then it was a luxury apartment building. And you know, it was the same apartment building. They just tacked on that luxury word. So they could charge a
1: little more to stay there. Side note, imagine saying that you went to high school in the Lawlery <laughs> Mansion. You. It was a public high school too, not even like a private rich New Orleans high school. It was a public high school. And I cannot even imagine just like going to your history class in the Lawlery Mansion. No.
0: The building itself kind of described it a little bit more just in case you haven't Googled it, Googled it yet. Um, it is three stories and there's a rear building that was added on in the 19th century. It is completely ornate and really um, beautifully crafted. The entrance of the building has intricate ironwork, and the door is carved with an image of Phoebus and his chariot. If you're not familiar with the legend of Phoebus, he was uh, the son of Apollo the god, and it was said that he rode his chariot across the sky every day to make the sun rise, set. So. He um, was kind of a big deal in the old Greek mythology world. Um, the floors are black and white marble, very expensive, very heavy. The staircase is this large curved mahogany that runs all three uh, of all three of the stories, and it is said that the second floor holds three large drawing rooms that are connected by ornamented sliding doors, and. The walls are all covered in these plaster rosettes so it's been, it's, I mean it was crafted with precision and was made to be a very fine building. The woodwork is everywhere and it's carved and it's personal and there is a black marble mantelpiece that was also carved by hand. So it's not an ugly building despite it's ugly history. It's. Um, would be considered to be beautiful by just about anybody who would look at it. For almost oh, I'm jumping ahead of myself. I'm gonna divert my co-host here first. <laughs> yeah, side. trying
1: to cut me off, I steal know, my I'm time. Sorry. Um, for almost 200 years, stories have been told uh, of the house being haunted by the victims of Madame Valery. It's claimed that there can be wails of agony heard wafting through the wafting 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 through the empty rooms at night. Phantom footsteps that reverberate through the house. Li- oh, our cat is causing a ruckus. Sorry. Phantom footsteps that reverberate through the house late at night. Doors slam. Faucets suddenly turn on in bathrooms and in kitchens. Furniture moves on its own. Body imprints are found on beds that no one has slept in. And even full-body apparitions of enslaved people have been seen wandering around the property. It's claimed that many of those apparitions can be seen still wearing the chains that were they were forced to wear in life. People who have visited the home have reported feeling as if they were taken over by negative energy. Even if you don't see those things when you're inside, I can imagine that just the energy alone is probably really heavy. Um... My mom and I kind of share a response when we're in a place that feels particularly negative where we get pretty bad headaches if the energy is super heavy. So I can imagine that I would probably leave there feeling pretty ill. But just from the activity alone, it feels like there's a poltergeist. If things are moving, if furniture is moving, if there's imprints, like physical imprints being seen on beds, that feels very physical and very poltergeisty most of the time. Um, spirits and ghosts can't really do all of that. So when you hear of that happening, it feels like there's probably a lot of just negative, sad, probably evil energy that is in that building.
0: And very strong energy. There's one really gruesome haunting story that is um, told about this man who was living there the first time it was apartments back in 1894. And... (laughs) (laughs) somebody's throwing things at me um so hold on we're gonna reset for a second I'm good sorry okay um in 1894 there was a man living there and he was discovered to have been just brutally murdered in his room one night and the police suspected that it might have been a robbery gone wrong but they looked and there was nothing missing he was just dead. And that's kind of a strange way to rob someone, to go in, kill them, and not take anything. I mean, at that point...
1: It's just a murder. That's not a robbery. Yeah, I think the police might have been a little
0: off on their theory. Um, because it seemed kind of off, and they're like, well, nothing's really gone here, they interviewed people who lived by him, and this really strange pattern started to emerge from the people he had been speaking to before he was um, murdered. And they all were told by him that he was having trouble with the, quote, spirits in his house. One of his friends is quoted as saying, he told me there was a demon in that house that wasn't going to rest until he met his end. I mean, that's a pretty heavy thing to say and think, especially considering we know that he did meet his end in the house. Um, Was the demon finally satisfied? It's kind of hard to know what exactly happened Possibly somebody can go in there and investigate and maybe try to connect with him and figure it out. But as far as I know, it was never a solved crime. The murder was never solved. It had no leads, no idea what happened.
1: That story feels very reminiscent of, like, Amityville Horror. Having someone who claims that the only way out from a demonic or an evil possession is to take the lives of either yourself or other people. So that is quite scary. So we're going to talk about the years of it being a school, which is very interesting to me. For a brief time, the building was used as a young girls' school. And at first, it was one of the first mixed-race schools in the city. But due to political pressure, it was quickly converted into an all-girls African-American primary school. Soon after, the girls began to report violent attacks. Bruises and scratches were seen on their little arms. And the answer to who attacked them was always the same. It was, quote, that woman. Too young to know the history of the house or be mature enough to have been told by anyone, the girls who were barely older than eight were believed by those who witnessed their torture. So you have this group of children who probably have no clue that they're in a building that has this dark, evil history. Not only is it children, it's primarily, it's it's African American children. So you have them in this building that the history is so dark, and has to do with african-american people and a cruel slave owner and they have no clue about madame Lollery or that woman so it's hard to not believe an eight-year-old when they tell you this and there's no reason for them to be telling you that they're not just making it up despite the attacks on the girls no one has ever reported seeing madame laurie's spirit at the mansion which makes us happy because i like to think that she is no longer inhabiting that place that she cannot reign terror in that building anymore
0: makes me really happy to think about that too because it was such a prized possession for her that it gives me like this gleeful feeling to think that she has been exiled and I'm hoping that that is because the other spirits that there are some that have been unfortunately trapped there due to her nefarious treatment of them and the way that she tortured them and things if they are held to that building beholden to that building i hope they have found the strength and death that they did not have in life and they are able to stand up to her and keep her spirit out Um, there are some more modern tales of haunting for the building we've been talking about things back in the 1800s and early 1900s but if you haven't been to new orleans then you should go. It, when I say it's hands down my favorite city uh, and that I've ever been to, I mean that with 100% genuine certainty. I love it. It is a city that loves and embraces its haunted past. So part of the nuance of New Orleans is you can go on these nightly ghost tours. And I mean, hundreds of people a night, thousands of people a year go on these tours and they pass by the house. And sometimes when you're out on one of these ghost tours you get a little extra special haunted experience. Uh, one tour guide was giving her tour a few years back and another little tidbit about New Orleans is that sometimes some areas late at night get a little um, get a little sketchy and there's always someone it's a city, so there's someone who's looking to take advantage of a situation and, you know, maybe take a purse or something. I mean don't be scared, New Orleans is safe, I promise. He's got to know where to go and stay in a crowd so it is said that she was giving this tour and while she was on the tour she was interrupted by someone pulling on her bag strap and so here she is thinking oh my god i'm on this tour with 20 people i can't believe they're trying to rob me so annoyed she turns and snaps her head toward where the direction of the purse tugging was coming from and tells them right in the middle of a tour like, you know, scolding the robber, like, are you kidding me? And she's met with just complete dark, still air. There is nobody there. And she's like, huh, weird. So she kind of shakes it off and goes back to telling the crowd about all the tales of the mansion and, you know, the murder and things that happened there. And she's really getting into it because if you haven't been on one of these tours, these tour guides take it seriously. They are trained professionals. They can weave a tail. It is, it's something to behold. It's very creepy. It's great. So she's getting back into it again. The crowd's all into it and she feels the tug on her purse again. And so she's even more frustrated this time because she thinks that it really is someone and she's just not seeing them, you know, skulk away. And so she turns and once again, there's nothing there. So she, at that point, really started talking to the crowd and wanted to let them know what was going on because she didn't want them to think that she was just some crazy lady having a you know episode on the street.
1: Screaming at the night air. Yeah,
0: being like, hey, stop that. And the crowd, of course, because they're on a ghost tour, um, really started getting into it and and started feeling all the dark and creepy things. I mean, you could argue that's probably some kind of a suggestion thing. and Placebo. Yeah. But I like to think that I've been on ghost tours past that building, and I have felt the intensity of it. Um, I like to do my own little makeshift ghost tours when we go to New Orleans, and so... Every time we're there, which is five or six times a year, I want to make sure that I go to that area and walk around. It's a beautiful part of the city, it's a beautiful part of the French Quarter, so just walking through there for that alone, I like to do. But I also really like to just go by. I want to see a ghost. I don't know. I'm creepy. I'm crazy.
1: And if you like food, there's a little stop and shop place directly, like Caddy Corner across the street that's like a convenience store, but they have really good po'boys. So if you're ever feeling spooky and hungry, you can go there as well.
0: A little infomercial for New Orleans (laughs) going on here.
1: Sponsor us, NOLA.com.
0: So recently there have been some people allowed inside to investigate, like Emma mentioned earlier. Uh, The TV show Portals to Hell, which is hosted by, co-hosted by Jack Osborne. Those of you who are music buffs would know him as Ozzy Osborne's son. Uh, Jack is a very, very newish member of the Ghost Hunting Paranormal Society. But his show um, really, really... Is good. I like watching it. I feel like they do a great job of investigating. It doesn't feel over the top. It doesn't feel like they're um, trying to trick you with illusions and things like that. It just feels very genuine. And on their episode, they have a camera set up in the little courtyard, and there's a fire that's burning because they're kind of going in and out. Like Emma also mentioned earlier, sometimes when you're you're in a building that has such a heavy supernatural presence it feels very oppressive to be in there it's
1: physically taxing a lot of the time
0: um the energy is just heavy it's kind of like being underwater for a really long time after a while your head just starts feeling very full and you have to get out so they were kind of taking breaks during this segment going in and out and going outside and you could see in one point a black mass human shaped really large shadow walking in front of this fire and it happened several times no one else was out there besides them they tried to recreate it with like a um, you know a person walking see if it was like a human shadow and they could not ever get it to recreate and I feel like that was one of the most compelling pieces of evidence I've seen for an actual physical haunt Um, inside the mansion there were definitely lots of sounds and noises and things that happened also and they did lots of Interviews with the people that work there because I think we sometimes forget that all these creepy haunted buildings There's people that it's their job to go in there and maintain those Buildings every day, so they go in and they you know, there's maids who clean and there's cooks that are in there because currently last I heard there was this um, like Billionaire Playboy who bought it as like his extra house that he wanted to go to so he could just have like parties. He doesn't live there all the time. So he hasn't actually had quite the bad luck that some of the other owners have had. There's been some pretty creepy, awful stories that are associated with some people who have bought the house. Like somebody who's really famous and Emma really, really loves.
1: I think any person who loves movies should love this person as well. But Nick Cage, um, everyone knows him as a very odd dude. He's just always been that weird guy in Hollywood. He has the weird look. He has the weird voice. He definitely plays into being just like the weirdo who's over the top and eccentric. But he's very lovable and we all love him. We love Nick Cage. But he actually purchased the mansion in 2007. And he's said to have bought the mansion as inspiration for a book that he was going to write. And... I think we've done some research, and we're pretty sure that that book was never written. (laughs) Um,
0: Did you know, too, that I found this out when I was doing some research for this show, not only did he buy that mansion at the time, but he also bought one in the Garden District um, at the exact same time as that one.
1: Yeah, and the rumor says that he was having nightmares after purchasing the property, and like my mom just said, he at the time of purchasing the mansion, he purchased another quote-unquote cursed property in the Garden District of New Orleans. Um, Because of these nightmares and just the overall weirdness that he was feeling, he sought the help from a psychic or a medium that was in New Orleans, and he was informed to buy a grave as close to Marie Laveau, who is the voodoo priestess of New Orleans. I think she was also a character in American Horror Story.
0: I think so. If you don't know her, you should research her, too. Actually, we'll probably be bringing her to you at some point in time, but very
1: very very cool yeah her story's pretty interesting um but he was informed to buy a grave as close to her as possible he had an abundance of money at the time he was probably popping in the hollywood industry this was probably like national treasure time i'm assuming 2007 and he was able to convince the cemetery to make room for his nine foot tall pyramid shaped tomb So, yeah, in Nick Cage fashion, he's over the top, as always, even in death. (laughs) He wants a nine-foot-tall pyramid-shaped tomb next to the tomb of a voodoo priestess, which... Even in
0: pre-death. Yeah,
1: pre-death. He's still kicking, but... Um, Many locals accused him of having bodies moved to make room for the tomb. So if he wasn't cursed before, he's probably cursed now. Because if you're having bodies physically moved that are already buried to make room for your nine-foot-tall pyramid-shaped tomb and you haven't even died yet, that's probably some bad juju. I mean, I've seen
0: poltergeist. Yeah,
1: and it's pretty selfish as well. Just kind of something you don't do. Especially as someone who isn't a native from New Orleans, you don't go in and you dig up the bodies of... New Orleans, people who are buried in those cemeteries. Um, And he pissed off a good portion of New Orleans, rightfully so. I do love Nick Cage, but that was not the best move that he could have done. And regardless of his popularity in the city, he lost both properties to foreclosure in 2009, so he only had them for about two years, and he left many to wonder if the curses were even real. I know in a lot of interviews, I'm pretty sure he went bankrupt at some point, and I think he credits the bankruptcy to those properties because he claims that they put a curse on him, Um, which is very possible, but... He also was just doing some things that probably didn't help his cursed nature at the time and made a lot of people angry.
0: He still has some mad love for the city, though, because there are um, tales of Nicolas Cage. I think he still lives in New Orleans, just not quite as lavishly as he did before. At least he lives there part of the time. And we have been in bars drinking, and we like to play this game that um, I like to toss out where we debate who's a better actor, this person or that person, so this particular night we were playing a um, pretty heated game of Nick Cage versus Keanu Reeves, and no one would come to my side to defend me, and so I made sure I brought the waitress into the mix and asked her who she thought was a better actor, Nick Cage or Keanu Reeves, or I think more appropriately, who was more overrated, that was the argument we were having. I'm not going to say whose side I was on because I love them both.
1: I think you should have to. No. You, should, you built this, he'll die on it.
0: I am not going to say. But our waitress had some pretty interesting stories. She said um, she didn't know he was a better actor. But she could say with 100% certainty that Nicolas Cage liked to go into their bar. And sometimes um, he left a little to be desired personality-wise. I'm not trying to disparage Nick Cage. I don't know. I haven't met him. I would love to. So, Mr. Cage, if you're listening, and next time I'm in New Orleans, I'll meet you at this bar.
1: Just don't yell at us, please. <laughs>
0: Message me and I'll let you know where I'm at. Um, so, he definitely still loves New Orleans and visits New Orleans, but not quite at the um, capacity that he did before.
1: Yeah, the mansion didn't entirely run him off, but... Yeah,
0: but it definitely did put a divot in his pocketbook. And, I mean... I don't know if you guys are familiar with Nicolas Cage's body of work, but he definitely has fallen off a little bit in the last few years. Still a big fan. I tend to like myself a good B-budget movie and he's a little in that um, category these days. So um, so yeah, that's the tragic tale of the Lollery Mansion and a lot more. We are really excited if you stuck around this long that you made it to the end with us. It is. Definitely been an experience. I had a lot of fun making this recording with Emma today. and
1: We had some hiccups, but, you know, we're new to this whole thing, so we're just kind of rolling with the punches at this point. If you've heard cats playing in boxes in the background or me accidentally throwing a marker yeah. at my mom's head during all of this, sorry, it happens.
0: I got kind of excited, though, because I thought maybe I was having a real-life supernatural. <laughs> it
1: concert. was, like, right after I mentioned the poltergeist, and yeah. I just chucked a marker. But
0: that's okay. We are going to continue to hone our craft and get better each week and hopefully you will come back with us and stick around we are really excited to be on this journey because there are so many really cool places haunted places haunted people that we want to bring to you so thanks for listening to the monsters the mixer podcast
1: uh don't forget to like and follow us um if you're listening to this, we probably sent you an invite on our Facebook page. We thank everyone for the overwhelming amount of support that we've gotten so far. It's really cool and exciting. We didn't even have an episode out yet, and people were still liking our page and supporting us. Um, you can leave a rating. You can share your stories with us. We'd love to be able to just like tell as like little inserts, or even like dedicate a full episode to just telling scary stories or just weird things that have happened to you in life, just sharing it with our audience. Um, if
0: you're not comfortable attaching your name to your story, you can always leave us a little note in there saying, you know, feel free to use my story, but don't mention who I am. We are totally fine with the anonymous route. So if you have something that you want us to tell the world about, please share. I, When I say I can't get enough of supernatural and scary things, I mean I cannot get enough of it. So, if it's out there, I've probably read about it. So, you will be doing me a huge favor by giving me some new scary stuff to learn about and to bring out into the world. And I would be so excited to do that.
1: And it doesn't even necessarily have to be like haunted stories. I'd like, I'm more into the true crime aspect of podcasts and life in general. So, I feel like we're going to intermix some stories about like some prominent nefarious people in American history. Um, so yeah, if you have any stories like that, we'd love to hear them. And
0: even if there's something you think you've heard of that we haven't, I've had several people reach out via Facebook and send me some links, say, Hey, check this out. Or, Ooh, have you heard about that story? And actually both of them I had not heard of. So that's some new stuff that I'm going to get to learn about. And then hopefully I'll be able to get you to learn about something new. So again, thank you so very much. Uh, See you next time when we dive into another terrifying tale and concoct a new delicious drink to wash down the horror. Please make sure you check Facebook a few days ahead of time. We'll give you a little heads up on if you want to go out and buy the ingredients. Probably not going to make something with Brandy next time because, <laughs> yuck, I'm a little
1: over it. We also, just a slight promo, we also have a Twitter page that we're trying to get up and running. I think the handle is Monsters Mixers Podcast. I'm not entirely sure. I will, I'll we'll link, have to link, link it, it to down below Facebook. and link it to our Facebook. But if you'd like to show some support on there, there's not much on there right now, but we're getting there.
0: We are definitely getting there, so... We are all finished bringing creepy things to you today. Now get out there and meet some ghosts and make some toast. <laughs>